comparatively to the average human being, I spend an immeasurable, an immeasurably greater amount of time manicuring my nails, <laughs> probably more so than most, you know, most women I know, let alone, you know, most of the other musicians that I know. This is Measured Voices, episode 11. I'm Walt Huntsman. Over the next 45 minutes, I continue my conversation with longtime Boise singer-songwriter Dan Costello. We'll find out why his nails are so important. Dan and I will talk about his growing involvement with the Idaho Songwriters Association and about channeling his initial stage fright and developing his stagecraft. But first, we talk about Dan's latest side project. You've yeah. been in some bands over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people may be these days know you more for the solo stuff, but you're sure. also doing a band project again, Sono Fuego, if I'm saying yeah. that right, which uh, yeah. I think roughly translates, at least to the to me, as either hot or fiery sound. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's not a direct translation. We've we've uh, we've gotten a couple of raised eyebrows uh, from. Uh, people trying to figure out if there's a if there's a literal translation from a specific language there, and th- that wasn't the point. <laughs> you know, we right. kind of cobb- cobbled together uh, a few ideas from, uh, you know, of course, uh, Spanish with uh, kind of a, a Japanese, Italian, you know, a lot, a lot of other things there. We wanted to try to have something that that was unique and that we, you know, wouldn't have to battle for web space for. <laughs> and, I was uh, almost thinking Portuguese with the yep, Sono. Almost. Yep, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, the, and there's, you know, di- different, uh, different aspects there, but that's definitely what we're going for. The, the sound of fire. Uh, yes. Yeah, is, is the, <laughs> how the did the project come about? Well, uh, so, uh, back when I was, uh, let's see, maybe, oh, 18, maybe 17, 18 years old. And uh, I had a really hot date. Uh, I was in high school and uh, decided to take my girlfriend to a uh, concert at Boise State. It was, you know, really pretty, you know, pretty fancy thing, you know, put the jacket on and the whole deal, right? <laughs> Wasn't even prom night or anything. You know, it was just like, you know, trying to, trying to impress the gal. <laughs> and we went to the, uh, the uh, Boise, you know, Boise State uh, Recital Hall in the Morrison Center. And... Uh, one of the people that was involved in that show was Ben Burdick. Uh, I think he was listed on the program as Benjamin Michael Burdick. <laughs> and he was playing with, uh, I think, David Santa Stephen, and uh, there was you know, a few other people on the bill that night. And I knew that he was out playing uh, music in, in other aspects as well. He's a little older than I am, and uh, he's he's been in the scene for a little bit longer. After that point, I started going out and purposely trying to find wherever he was playing. And he moved away for a few years. He was down in, in Hollywood for a bit. And then he moved back. And as soon as he was back in town, I was just, I, I would pretty much follow him around, whatever he was playing in. Uh, he was playing with Rebecca Scott a lot at the time. Uh, he played with uh, you know a number of other acts. He was in a couple of duos. Uh, played with Bill Lyles a lot. Uh, and uh, I, I just I really loved his approach. He had such a, a, a really unusual blend of, of uh, styles that he had kind of steeped in, and uh, kind of like myself, you know, I was trying to solve these puzzles of classical music and uh, bluegrass things, and and then strummy singer songwriter stuff. And uh, he had al- he he had also uh, kind of blended, he had hybridized uh, 
banjo styles with uh, jazz and and some of the things there, and then all, a lot of folk music and and kind of f- folk funk, uh, modern modern singer songwriter folk, and uh, so you know we we just I felt like we had kind of a kindred uh, spirit there, you know, a kindred approach, and years go by, you know, he was. Uh, Doing the uh, the open mic jam, and I would come to to the over at Pengilly's. I would be there. I mean, that was like church for me. I had to be there every single week. I probably was. I mean, I was going to that for maybe three, four years solid. I'll bet I'll, I missed maybe a dozen weeks in that whole stretch. Like, I was just there every single week. It was very, very dedicated to that. And he was the the host through that stretch of time. Uh, he was with uh, Rebecca Scott. And so we got to play a lot through that. You know, I got to jam with him or uh, fill in on things. We'd talk in between songs. and I'd also be going to their shows and everything. Another few years go by, and we get some opportunities to play together. And uh, that that's when it really started to connect between Ben and myself, when we finally got a chance to start performing together. Uh, we had a, a few times where we had duo things or, or whatnot, uh, and then... We had a, I had a gig that we kind of needed a band for, but I didn't really think that it needed a, a real f- full band uh, with, you know, a, a, like a typical bass and drum set kind of thing. It needed to be a quieter thing, more acoustic thing. And uh, Ben was familiar with uh, Grant Green. Uh, he was playing a lot of hand percussion, uh, doing other things there. And uh, so we were just like, well, let's call him up and see if that would fit. And right from the first couple of rehearsals that we had, everything clicked. Uh, there was there was just a really great spirit about that. We didn't really have a we didn't have a specific direction at that time. Uh, but as things evolved with that, uh, Grant's knowledge of uh, Cuban and Latin rhythms, uh, Ben's feel for those those idioms, along with. Uh, you know his jazz steeping and and things there, and then my pseudo flamenco <laughs> approach. You know, I I have some technique within that, and some of the uh, the finger style things on a nylon string guitar, uh, and that that just started to become its own sound. You know, it kind of became its own thing, and that's that's really where Sono Fuego uh, has focused is, is having a uh, definitely a, a a Latin jazz uh, fusion with. Uh, uh, you know, Cuban, Latin, uh, African uh, drum ideas there, and then having the jazz, you know, the jazz ribbon mm-hmm. all through that. Have, have you done any writing together along those lines? Then, uh, or is we, that something we, ha- we haven't sat down with uh, as the three of us and said, "Okay, guys, you know, time to write a song." Um, and it's again, we're we're working mostly within a within a uh, uh, an instrumental idiom there you know there are very very few opportunities for for lyrical content just because we're focused mostly on the guitars being the right. feature of the of the harmonic content and then the the all three of us being the rhythm part of it as well and so uh a lot of times it's a it's a melody or a, or a progression or some ideas that that ben or myself are bringing forward and we present that to the group, and then you know the group kind of fleshes that out from there. They, we arrange, we arrange together. Uh, we haven't really written together so much yet, and I, I, I think that's just a matter of time. You know, I, I'm sure if we were to spend, uh, you know, more time on stage together, or you know, we just recently uh, spent some great studio time together, and I'm sure as as we do that more, uh, some more 
uh, distinctive ideas from all three of us will will start to form. You know, we'll we'll start to to percolate there. So having been in a band and been a solo performer, and now in a sense, sort of doing both. Uh-huh. Um, how how is the dynamic different being in a band versus being solo? And and maybe how is this particular band dynamic different from past experiences that you've had? Sure. sure. Uh, this particular band, this is really the first time that I've been uh, in a group that uh, I have this much uh, creative input or creative control, but it's still an instrumental uh, project, mostly. You know, it, it's, I mean, when we perform, most of the time we're doing uh, instrumental music only, all through the, all through the night. And so having having that much creative input uh, that that really puts a different focus on my uh, on my guitar skills, and then also there's uh, I guess it, it's it's definitely more jazz content than what I would do as a solo performer mm-hmm. most of the time. So there's more of a focus on on that approach. Uh, as a solo performer, uh, I I get to have. Uh, depending on the on the the event or the you know the venue or the the style right. of the show, but for the average solo event, uh, that's kind of an odd thing for me because I, I've 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 just got so many different styles and genres and and ideas and singer songwriters and and approaches. I tend to just kind of let that uh, I, I just kind of let the dial spin. You know, I let the compass spin on that, and then wherever it seems to kind of lead me, I I let the show go that direction. I very rarely have a song list or a written trajectory uh, for for the solo shows, so that's that's definitely a different thing. There there are times when when uh, we'll take a request that we've never played before in Sono Fuego, and if Ben and myself kind of look at each other and like, yeah, we both kind of know that. Sure, yeah, okay, let's let's try it, and then you know we'll we'll just dive in. We'll 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 take a chance on it. Uh, but most of the time with that, we're working with uh, material that we all three are familiar enough with or that we have an existing arrangement of, uh, and then we, we take that approach with it. So, And you mentioned that, that in Sono Fuego, you're, mm-hmm. you're on nylon string guitar, and, and yeah. many of the times that I've seen you perform, you also are playing a nylon string. What, yeah. what for you, what does that bring to either that music or to your music uh, versus a steel string sure uh well uh i've i've going through all the classical stuff uh i i had to keep my nails really pretty and you know just uh, very very uh distinctly shaped you know I've, i basically have picks on each one of those fingers that i have to maintain that i that i really i spend a lot of uh i mean comparatively to the average human being i spend a, an immeasurable an immeasurably greater amount of time manicuring my nails, <laughs> probably more so than most, you know, most women I know, let alone, you know, most of the other musicians that I know. Um, and so that, I, I just really like the feel of that. I like the control of it. I like the, the versatility with it. Uh, there, there, that's become a, a distinction for me as well. Uh, it helps me kind of be, uh, a little different than the average strummy singer songwriter. Right. Uh, it it uh, it's a it's a separation of, of tone of of style. Uh, the natural uh, 
the the natural genres that fit to the nylon string guitar. I mean, some people have have forced it in different directions. You know, uh, uh, Willie Nelson is is well known for recording uh, a lot of his you know country stuff or the you know the kind of outlaw mm-hmm. country uh, uh, folk song and uh, that approach on a nylon string guitar. Some of that material there. Uh, you got somebody like uh, you know Paul Simon. Uh, you know, he he uh, played with a with a pick sometimes on a nylon string guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a uh, lot of lot of different uh, approaches there that that uh, or maybe I've got that backwards. With uh, some somebody was making fun of of our American pop writers at, uh, at some point. They were saying, you know, you got you got John Denver and Paul Simon, and one of them plays a steel string with their fingers. And the other one plays a nylon string with a pick. You guys just don't know anything about playing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember the quote. I'm sure somebody will dig that up. But uh, that that uh, that finger style approach on nylon strings lends itself to techniques that are very difficult to mimic with a pick. Uh, and that approach, you know, uh, when when you play a chord on a guitar, you start a lot of times with the bass note, right? And then you strum down, and that has a distinctive sound as a guitarist, right? You've got, and that becomes the 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 both the harmonic element of it and also the rhythmic element. Right. But when you play something on a piano, you would not play it that way. I mean, you can't imagine someone sitting down at a piano and then rolling all of their chords up and down, going. Right, I mean that would that would be very strange. You know, the piano approach is often a left hand, right hand approach. You know, might, you might hear the uh, the uh, the bottom, the 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 bass line, the the left hand going. Um, you know, back and maybe rocking. You know. Right. Uh, you know, or even just a simple octave, you know, just a... Something, you know, something simple like that. And then they can they can move the right hand around, or they can even leave it in the same place. Something like a... And so you can mimic that on a guitar, uh, but it's very difficult to do that with a flat pick. Right. That's a more of a fingerstyle approach, with the the nails being the primary thing, and with all that le- lending more toward a, a fingerstyle approach. Um, that allows me to think more like a, a piano player, even when it's a more developed thing, like you know the the Mark Cohn uh, uh, walking in Memphis that that developed from wanting to try to figure out a way to sound like the piano part. Instead of just like a guitarist would probably approach it. And uh, I, I really enjoy that aspect of, of uh, the fingerstyle guitar. So uh, the nylon string, it lends itself more to that. Uh, it, it just... Uh, it feels more natural to be a fingerstyle guitarist on the on the nylon string for me. Sounds like I need to convince uh, 
somebody to let me buy a nylon string. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a justification for another guitar. As, 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 as someone who's who's trying <laughs> to learn guitar, I, and I find myself drawn more to the finger style. I, oh, I sure. have I've okay. not gotten comfortable with a pick myself, ah. but I also have the problem with the nails. I can't get them. Sure. And, you know, I, so I know some really brilliant challenge. guitarists that don't use their nails. You know, they, they just use their fingertips. And uh, they end up developing kind of a callus, just like you do on your left hand. Uh, that uh, you can get a lot of thump and a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. funny, like, almost like how a bassist would, would approach things. Right. Uh, you get some other aspects there that you can work with, too. Uh, one thing that, that uh, I rely a lot upon is the backs of my nails for strumming as well. And uh, so when I do have a strum part, that downstroke is the back of, of okay. my nails, and that uh, that allows me to have a lot of a lot of snap there. There's a lot of tonal varieties that you can develop with a flat pick, but you don't generally see people develop those things that that thoroughly. I can get a really broad tonal change from. You know, and, and it, everything in between. You know, I get a, a really broad range of tones there. And that's just, it's fun for me to have that in the in the toolbox. So. Probably should label that as our uh, internal guitar tip for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, now... Once upon a time, when he was when he was still living, still performing, James Brown was was called the hardest working man in show business. And <laughs> here in Boise, if you don't have that title, at least at one time you probably were in the running for it <laughs> because you used to play a lot of gigs, and, yeah. and I, I'm sure you still play as at least as many as you want to. Yeah. Uh, what is it that you enjoy most about performing live? Well, uh, I, I guess there's. There's something about that language that we talked about earlier, you know, that, that communication between a performer and an audience of any kind. You know, you think about the word audience, and that just means audio is coming into their ears. They're, they're, they're hearing it. They are there to, to hear what is being uh, uh, performed. And uh, I, just, I, I, like, I like that concept. I like the idea that... It's a real person creating pleasing sound that other people are listening to. I love that. When I'm walking around downtown, I don't really tune into the Muzak coming out of a storefront or the, the music that someone's playing in the radio when they drive by. But if I hear... There's there's a distinctive quality and an energy and, a, and a, there, there's a, a very human... Uh, component very very uh just visceral real component to live music and i if i hear that i'm drawn to it i i I will i will find it i will stumble around looking for the source of that music um and and i just I, i love that aspect of it so i think that's that's one of the things that i enjoy the most about it um the other thing just from you know we're kind of talking technically one of the things that that I'm kind of missing now, because I'm not performing as much as I was there. There was there was a good, 
almost a 10-year stretch where I was averaging between 250 and 300 shows a year. Wow. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I played uh, real close to 3,000 shows in about uh, a like 12 or 13-year stretch, I think. It was, it was right, right around 3,000 shows. Uh, and just, you know, my, I was tracking it just for my own fun, you know, for right. my own data. And uh, one of the things that, that happened through that was that I, st- I got really comfortable <laughs> both with playing an instrument, with singing, with interacting with a crowd, with being comfortable on stage. Uh, that stagecraft right. element is, is huge. And, you know, th- there's that saying that, uh, you know, y- you don't truly master something until you've spent 10,000 hours on it. And it's not just learning how to play the guitar or how to write a song or how to sing. It's standing on stage while doing those things. And I feel like, well, you know, if, if, if that's probably a, a high estimate, but to say that 3,000 shows times three hours per show, well, that puts up around 9,000 hours, right? I mean, I, I really did feel like that, that uh, time on stage was the only way that I was going to develop my stagecraft. It was kind of a funny thing when I was in, in college, uh, I used to get just horrific stage fright, uh, mm-hmm. especially if I was playing. It wasn't so bad when I was playing with my band or if I was just strumming and singing a song. That wasn't that, wasn't that big of a deal. But if I was playing an instrumental guitar thing, oh, my God, I was just a mess. You know, I, I, I would sweat. I would get the shakes. I would get really intense uh, moments of, of uh, j- just butterflies, you know. And uh, I finally started to... to to turn that corner, not only uh, with kind of a change in the attitude of it, uh, it was a really great, uh, David Tannenbaum came and gave a master class at Boise State, and one of the things that he said was that, uh, you know, it, it's it's obvious that you know, I, I played for him in, in that master class, and he said, it, it's obvious that you're overcoming some nerves here, and I'd like you to try thinking of it this way. Don't think... Oh my gosh, I'm nervous. You know, oh, I'm scared. Oh, these people aren't going to like me. Oh, I, oh my God, my hands are shaking. Don't think of it as nerves. Think of it as, wow, I'm really excited to be here. There, it's the energy. It's it's not uh, it's not a fright. It's not terror. It's energy. You're excited. You're you're in in, in enthralled. You know, you're you're invigorated um, by this opportunity to perform for people. And if you can start to harness that and channel that into the performance, then that'll that'll help. And then he also said the other thing that we happen to do is that we stop breathing, <laughs> and that just makes it worse because then your yeah. your blood doesn't flow as well. You don't get as much o- oxygen to the, to your brain. Uh, you know you shake that much more. So consciously breathe, <laughs> but then also. Uh, you know, change your change your mind about that. Don't uh, you know? Actively tell yourself that it's not fright, it's not nerves, it's excitement. And then that, coupled with more hours on stage and more opportunities and and more environments like that, uh, you know, I, I started to overcome that. And uh, I that's one of just for for me as as you know developing my craft. I have a lot of fun playing music. Uh, and and I feel like there's uh, 
you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty fearless with that anymore. You know, I'll try just about anything and I'm, I'm not worried about not hitting it or if I screw it up or something, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I'm a little off today. Oh, well. So with about 9,000 hours and you've, you've just about gotten there, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and you know, that's just stagecraft. That's not working. You know, that's not sitting at home practicing and learning how to play a guitar. You know, right. that, that's actually standing on stage. And I think that's something that, that, uh, you know the 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 average younger person that's getting into it uh, might it might benefit them to to realize, or even someone that's that's getting into it later in life and just hasn't done it all that much. You know that that time on stage is just not replaceable with any other thing. It takes experience. It takes time. So, well, this this will kind of lead to a question I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. but I re- I remember the first time that I got on stage here in Boise at the Idaho Songwriters Association's ah, forum yeah. and how nervous I was yeah. because I, for whatever reasons, I, you know, there, there was a little bit of stage fright. There was the added pressure perhaps sure. of performing for other songwriters, established new, mm-hmm. uh, you know, varying levels and, and styles of music, but knowing that they actually were going to be listening to the song right. and not wanting yeah. to mess it up. Yeah, you're pretty naked at that point. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, recently you've gotten more involved with the Idaho Songwriters Association as yeah. uh, MC of the of the monthly forum. Yeah. And how, how has that experience been for you? How did that come about for you? Well, uh, when it first got going, you know, back when Steve Eaton was, was just putting that together, I, you know, I'd heard about that and they were putting these things together and they started really getting going at the Gamekeeper. Uh, and it just happened to be on a night that I could hardly ever come to it. You know, I never got a chance to come down and, and perform with it. But I've always loved that aspect of, you know, I, the, those early days when I was going to the Pengillies open mic. Uh, we I've run jams in other places. We had a great scene over at Satchel's for a long time. Uh, we had a, you know a couple other uh, songwriter kind of show and tell style things that we've tried to develop over the years. And I've just always loved that aspect of of sharing things with other songwriters. You know, I, I sometimes uh, that that's probably to a fault. I I do like writing music for musicians. You know, I like I like music that has musical inside jokes you know I, I i love that aspect of it and so that's personally that's one of my favorite types of audience uh, is playing for other musicians i do recognize that with a lot of other performers where they're that much more nervous or they're just really uh you know they they there's there's maybe a, a competitiveness or uh, something there that that uh that comes up when they start thinking oh wow you know i'm in a i'm in a room full of other songwriters and I think that's one of the things, though, that that has been a a, a real uh, positive aspect of those Idaho Songwriters Forum events. Uh, they uh, the way that Steve had kind of developed that it was a participatory thing, it was an inclusive thing, it was a celebratory thing where we're just celebrating that somebody wrote a song, that they want to participate, that they want to be a part of it. And that we, you know, we, we all want to support that. We want to mm-hmm. watch that grow. There's something really, uh, really fascinating and rewarding to seeing someone that starts out pretty green and they, they work up the courage to get on stage and they play a song. 
and it's it's pretty good. It's a good start. And then you see him come back, and you see him have a new song, and it's like, oh my gosh, this one's even better. And they come back, and they keep working on it. God, that's a really rewarding, fun thing to watch develop. Um, and that that's the spirit that I hope to continue to cultivate. You know, I want it to be very. Uh, non-competitive. I want it to be very inclusive. Uh, a, a celebration for for everybody that that likes writing songs or listening to people that write songs. You know, there's uh, that should be celebrated. You know, and I, I love that we have a such a supportive in, uh, environment for that. You know, such a supportive event. Well, I know I know for me that the comfort level began to change. Sort of a two prong approach in a sense. Mm-hmm. As as I did it more, I got more comfortable doing it. But sure. also as I started to get response or validation, if you will, from sure. other songwriters who reacted or responded to the song, it, yeah. it started to make me feel okay. I belong. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. it's like it's like finding your tribe in a way. Sure, sure, and that, you know, it's uh, there. There's. Uh, there are different approaches to that. Uh, you know, I, I can see the merit in uh, wanting to write in a bubble, you know, to write in an isolated uh, thing where you're, you're really removed from the influences of any other songwriters, of any other styles, you know, really trying to, to reinvent the wheel. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. If you come up with something that, that, uh, that really moves people, moves people or maybe that's not even the the point you know sometimes art is just purely for art's sake and it's not trying to really communicate anything specific to anybody else it's just for the creator you know it's just for the person that created that art mm-hmm. um that you know i i can see the merit in that i can i can i can uh i can respect that but uh i've i've always been uh there's there's always been more focus for me on trying to share that or trying to find something that will communicate in in a, a broader sense. It's not just just for me. I do want it to to be something that we can all share and that we can. You know, it's, it's like cooking. You're not going to eat all of it yourself. Right. You know you you want to you want to see other people enjoy that. You want to know that you're nourishing them <laughs> and that uh, there there are some other things that you'll get an opportunity to 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 share and communicate about. Uh, and I I I hope that that's the 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 sense from other people that participate in that as well. That that it, it's it's a lot of fun and very rewarding mm-hmm. to. Uh, to interact in that environment, you know, to both to create and share uh, those things that you create, and then also to uh, to experience and uh, you know collaborate and 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 understand how someone else's approach is being presented, uh, you know, how what their what their uh, process is, and uh, we're all you know we're all learning. Uh, about that, we're all we're all experiencing that together. Well, I know I've met some great people through the uh, the forums, uh, and you know, if, both from the aspect of if you want to think of it in business terms, mm-hmm. making contacts, but also sure. m- meeting people and finding out that you have things in common with them. Yeah, you know, yes, there's the music and other things as well. Sure. Uh, you know, we've had a great conversation, I think, and it. The time has kind of gotten away, but I do have a couple of questions that I, sure. I was going to ask you. Uh, maybe a little fun, hopefully. 
Okay. You've been at you've been at this for a while doing yeah. doing the music. Is there what is there that you haven't accomplished if if there's one thing that you could put your finger on that you you'd like to accomplish sure. in music? Sure. Uh you know, I guess one of my frustrations with the 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 whole industry, you know, with with the entire industry is that you never really know um if what you're doing is any good, right. you, there's not really any quantifiable data there. You know, there's no there's no absolute metric because it's so subjective. Mm-hmm. It's so subjective, and so any of those kinds of things where you know there there are some songs where it's just like wow they found some way to really resonate with pretty much anybody that ever hears that song. You know, right. if you kind of it's like you listen to that song. And then you hear somebody that that doesn't like that song, and you're like, "Wow, they must really have a screw loose." Because, <laughs> I mean, there there there's there's something so different about that person than to myself. Because anyone that's anything like me will understand what that song was about. And I think as a songwriter, I'm I'm working toward that. I'm trying to find something that's a little more universal, but. Uh, as far as success goes, you know, I've, I've had some great conversations with Ben, uh, actually my friend Ben Burdick, uh, on this, that success is is subjective as well. It's very relative. We know some people that have never had any kind of of recognition for the, what they do, other than you know just the you know making a, a paycheck from the gigs they play and and getting a pat on the back from the people that hired them or, or the audience that's there or whatever. And they are just as successful, or maybe more so, than someone that's had, you know, a, a worldwide hit song or whatever. But and they've toured the world, but they're they're miserable, they're broke, uh, they they're on their you know third or fourth pretty rocky marriage. Right. Uh, they they're they're just not happy with how things have gone because of the way that the industry has developed on that. So I guess in terms of success. It's hard to say what that is, and I don't really have a, I don't really have a, a a dream to go beyond where I'm at with that. I'm pretty, pretty dang happy with the things, you know, with how things have gone. One one musical thing that I still haven't gotten an opportunity to do is uh, to develop a. So I've I've got this great all instrumental group right now, uh, but I've never had an opportunity to be in an all vocal group past when I was in college. You know, I was in uh, vocal jazz every year of my collegiate career, uh, you know, a total of, geez, I think I did uh, vocal jazz for a, like 11 semesters, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and uh, I just had such a blast with that. And I, I really enjoy that that idiom of, of vocal harmonies and, and using only voices to develop a, a, a whole produced sound. And uh, so I think, you know, it, it hasn't really, the opportunity hasn't presented itself. I haven't tried to carve it myself. And I, I'm kind of hoping that it just develops organically at some point. But that's that's still something that I would like to, I'd like to be involved in at some point. Well, and this seems like the perfect time in life to do this because, I mean, <laughs> you've, you've got several, several all vocal groups that have found success over the last few years with Pentatonics. Sure. sure. And Straight No Chaser. Yeah. And they're different approaches to that right right yeah and there's there's always that element of the of the 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 jazz groups and then there's the 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 boy bands 
and there's not really anything in between it seems like you know and that's that's uh it is exciting to see some of the the groups that uh are finding uh, you know other ways to perform you know kind of almost like more of a barbershop thing you know mm-hmm. let it let it be let it be what it is and and uh i'd like to see a little more emphasis on uh just uh, more exploration of what the voice can do and more kind of the Bobby McFerrin, uh, some of his later records uh, things, you know, I'd, I'd like to see something like that develop and maybe, maybe, uh, there's not an audience for it around here, you know, but I, if, if there is, I'd like to, to see that develop and, and, uh, see where, where that leads. So. Well, on the subject of performing, huh? is there, can you think of some place that you haven't performed and it doesn't have to be in Boise? Sure. That if you had the opportunity, I mean, is there like a dream venue out there for yeah. you? Yeah. Well, uh, I think one one of the uh, one of the things that I've never I I just haven't traveled that much with the, with music. I I've stayed so close to home with most of that, and uh, you know, I, my experience with most of the touring and things like that uh, is that it. I mean, it, you're lucky if you break even a lot of times. You know, it, right. it's something that. Uh, is is very difficult to make a make a living at until you've got a, a pretty good foothold on things, and I don't know if I'm really at a point in life where I can afford to to spend the time trying to develop a foothold with those things. You know, it just it's not it's not where I'm at right now. But um, I think there's 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 a part of me that does wish I had been on some other kind of a of a of a tour and gotten to see a lot of different venues all at once, you know, just all, you know, spread it all out and get to see all these different things that are, that are like the Egyptian theater, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. the, like the Neptune in Seattle or, uh, you know, the, the, the Fillmore or, uh, you know, a lot of these classic venues right. that have the pretty stages, uh, that there's, I, I really love that aspect of, uh, going to other people's performances. You know, I've had a few opportunities to do those types of things and, uh, you know, that, that'd still be a lot of fun, I think, to do that. Uh, I still haven't traveled, even really through most of the country. I haven't seen Nashville. I haven't seen, you know, Memphis. Uh, I haven't been to Austin. Uh, a lot of music cities right. uh, that are very, very specifically musically oriented. Uh, New Orleans, uh, you know, the, uh, there's, there's uh, a, lot of, a lot of things like that that are, are still... Still on the list, you know. If if I get the opportunity, then I'll take it. And uh, if it uh, if it presents itself, it's not something that I need so desperately that right. I'm going to carve time just for that. But if if the opportunity presents itself, sure, yeah, you know, I'll I'll look into that. So I think some of my favorite performances end up being really unusual venues anyway, uh, like uh, the way that someone puts their backyard together for a little backyard concert. Uh, you know, playing uh, uh, playing impromptu shows in strange places. Uh, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I think that's a really fascinating thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's neat to see what people come up with for how they want art to happen. <laughs> and uh, that, that sometimes that's just as exciting as, as, uh, as playing a, a, an established venue. So. Well, I want to thank you for sitting down and, sure. and talking and having yeah, this conversation with me um, and speaking of unusual venues, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, could we uh, maybe get one more song? Sure, sure. Happy to. Yeah, we've got, we got a, a, a very willing audience here with, with Oliver the dog. And I'm, uh, I'm happy to... Uh... 
Happy to share another tune here. summer in a place that I affectionately call camp with other people that I wouldn't necessarily call bad maybe they were just like me good people getting caught doing bad things still I decided it wasn't my scene so I escaped every day at 10.03 I took the 5 at 10.18 and rolled down to Orchard Street a little thing called work release Selling guitars and fixing things Maybe they thought they were fixing me Selling my debt to society Ooh, But every night I had to go back A good night's sleep wasn't the only thing that I liked Counting the days till I'd get out I'd kiss your face and we'd scream and shout Joy and laughter and love and everything that life's about, yeah. weren't true I'll find a way to make it through till I'm coming home to you till I'm coming home to you Patience gently trying to tell me that I was full of it By the time I got the message, oh, you were so mad that you could spit And every night I had to go back This old guitar wasn't the only thing that I liked Counting the days till I'd get out I'd kiss your face and scream and shout Joy and laughter and love and everything that life's about
My thanks to Dan Costello. For show notes and links, be sure to visit measured-voices.blogspot.com. Next time out, I'll sit down with Joel Roadley, Wade Houston, and Dusty Lee from Dusty Lee and the Claim Jumpers. We'll talk about their name and how they got started, and about their process when it comes to songwriting. I'm Walt Huntsman, and this is Measured Voices. <laughs>